Hello everybody, I'm Carly Chardonnay Webb and this is the Transporter Room, the convergence of sports, transness, all things nerd and geek, and other stuff. And it's a busy day, and really it just started. Mainly because Senate Bill 2 in Texas took all night to have a hearing. We'll have more on that a little bit later. But also, the flame is lit and the Paralympics are underway. First full day of competition, the largest Paralympic Games ever, 4,400 athletes, 162 countries, over 30 are members of Team LGBTQ, and Team LGBTQ is already on the medal board. And you can thank British cyclist Crystal Lane Wright for that. In the women's C5 classification, 3,000 meter individual pursuit, Lane Wright was in the gold medal round. Problem is, she was racing against a Paralympic legend, Dame Sarah Story, the most decorated British woman Paralympian ever. And Story wasn't messing around. She won this event in a walk. Her 15 career Paralympic gold, but Lane Wright gets her second consecutive silver in the event, and she's not done. In fact, neither of them are done. Both of them are also going to compete in the road event at Fuji International Speedway next weekend. Also, Team USA Women's Wheelchair Basketball opened against the defending world champions from the Netherlands. The defending Olympic champs, the defending world champs. This is a schedule maker's dream. And both teams have some Team LGBTQ members on them. The one to talk about, Bo Cromer of the Netherlands, because they spearheaded a adjustment where Netherlands went to a pressure defense in the fourth quarter and that paralyzed the defending Paralympic champions from the United States and it powered a 68-58 win for the Dutch. Frommer had 20 points. Mariska Beyer, who is the MVP of the Netherlands World Championship victory, Lindsay Zerbrook led Team USA with 20 points but was held scoreless in that decisive fourth quarter. Courtney Ryan also added 14. Next for Team USA, August 26th versus Spain. Next for the Netherlands, August 26th versus China. Now, a correction published by the British Journal of Sport this past week, which came from the researchers behind the data that became the caster Semenya rule, now has world athletics in some hot water. According to a blog post by University of Colorado scientist and specialist on science and sports regulation, Roger Pilkey, it seems that the data may not have said what World Athletics thought it did. Pilkey writes, quote, the organization chose to base its 2018 regulation on a set of scientific claims. It now admits that those claims are wrong and potentially misleading. I know at least three athletes who may just have a gripe. One is Castor Semenya, because Castor Semenya was ripped off of an opportunity to defend her 800-meter title, and track fans are ripped off of an opportunity for probably the fastest half-mile race in history. Imagine Castor Semenya and current Olympic champion Ateng Mo of the United States. Imagine what that 800 meters would be like. Also, I have a feeling Christine Mabuma of Namibia and her teammate Beatrice Masalinge I think they might have a little bit of a gripe. Their best event is the 400 meters. They're prohibited from running it. So they turn around. Both of them run the 200. And this past weekend, they went 1-2 in the event. Mabuma 
winning the under 20 world championship, adding another medal to what she got in Tokyo when she finished second in the 200 meters. And also, both of them were part of a Namibian 400 meter relay team, which finished second to Jamaica. Now, World Athletics and the IOC have already said they're looking to revamp a lot of policy. You know, I'm reminded of what Dr. R. Nick Gorton said on this podcast three weeks ago. I would love to talk to you about your policies about women athletes with elevated testosterone levels, because that's an epic shit show. Um, what makes it the epic shit show? In your mind, it, what makes it that? Okay, first off, the whole thing we just talked about, that testosterone is part of testosterone levels are part of the myriad of biological influences and psychosocial influences that decide who gets to be the the gold medalist right that's part of it that's not all of it and so let's say for example you have a a, a cisgender woman athlete who's got polycystic ovarian syndrome right she's got pcos naturally higher testosterone levels. Now she's competing. Let's see. These are the top two athletes. She's competing against a woman who, uh, let's say in swimming, she's competing against a woman who, uh, doesn't have elevated testosterone levels, but does have a five inch height advantage, but does have one of the genes that we know is much more common in uh, in high-end uh, uh, or top-performing uh, sprinting athletes, right? And let's say this is a swimming sprint event, right? And so the woman with the normal testosterone levels may be biologically more advantaged, having nothing to do with how much work she did, having nothing to do with how much grit she had and how much she put of herself into this, then the shorter woman who doesn't have those other genetic advantages, who has an elevated testosterone level because PCOS. Why is it that we say the woman with PCOS, no, 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 you have to take birth control pills or you have to have surgery or whatever so that you, we get rid of the advantage you have. But this other swimmer, we don't say, well, because you're five inches taller, we're going to add, you know, 0.1 second to your time. And that would make it fair because guess what? That would make it fair with the shorter athlete. Let's just say it was just height and testosterone. And those were equal advantages. Why is it that you require the woman who has the high testosterone to lose her advantage, but the woman who is taller gets to keep her advantage. That makes no sense at all. None. Right. If you're like, we're going to make a biological uh, you know, even playing field one, you can't, that's impossible. Right. But if that's your goal, then you got to do a lot of other work about people with those genetic polymorphisms that make them better sprinters that make them better power athletes that make them better endurance athletes, you know, mutations in genes for, uh, muscle fibers, mutations in genes for, um, your, your carrying capacity for oxygen in your blood, Right. If you're going to make it fair with regards to testosterone, you need to make it fair with regards to those other things. And they don't. And that's what's absurd about it. Seems to me the message is pretty clear. It's time for the Castor Semenya rule to go. 
better sooner than later. And now some quick shout outs to our friends of the show and people we like. First, WNBA champion Seattle Storm. They visited the White House this past week. The first WNBA champion to visit in five years. And I can tell you, President Biden is pretty happy to receive them. Also, a shout out to friend of the show, Haley Davidson, for taking her shot at LPGAQ school in California. No, she won't make it to stage two. She shot seven over par for the weekend, had a rough 78 on the Sunday on the Dinosaur course, but she performed well enough to receive partial Symmetra Tour status for 2022, and that means more opportunities to make it into the big show, the LPGA Tour, and a possibly a chance at avoiding Q School entirely in 2022. But regardless of the result, I see it as a win. For Haley Davidson, this was the piece of a dream. Just stepping in the tee box and taking a cut. The first trans woman to step into the breach of LPGA qualifying school. And I can tell you right now, she's far from done. Buy stock in Haley Davidson now. It's going to go up like a rocket. Also, birthday wishes to my favorite endurance racer, Charlie Martin. Charlie had a birthday a couple days ago. Now, my birthday wish for you is track time at the Nürburgring and you behind the wheel of a vintage BMW M1. Hey, BMW Motorsport, let's make that happen, shall we? Speaking of making it happen, that sounds happening. You know what that means. We got to make a sponsor break happen, give a little bit of love. But when we come back to the transporter room, the trans rides by. It went down all night, deep in the heart of Texas. And you won't believe some of the stuff you're going to hear. I'm Carly Chardonnay Webb. This is the transporter room. Stay with us. Welcome back to the Transporter Room. I'm Carly Chardonnay Webb, and this week we're going to have another special spotlight show. Now, these are the shows when we get deep into the derma of an issue, and we're going to get deep in the derma of Senate Bill 2 in Texas. <laughs> we really should. We stayed up all night for it. Yet another attempt to keep transgender girls and boys off of interscholastic and intercollegiate teams, this time in the state of Texas. Now, according to Equality Texas, 62 bills that would negatively impact LGBTQ people have been introduced in the current session of the Texas legislature. Now, that's part of what has been a Sherman-esque scorched earth campaign that stretches across 36 states. This is the fifth hearing on this issue in Texas in the last year. Now, all this comes amid the backdrop of the continuing COVID epidemic and with Texas still dealing with an electric grid that crashed six months ago and left millions without power during a snowstorm. What you're about to hear are excerpts from nearly eight hours of hearings. 
Now, I'm going to give you the trigger warning. There's a lot of transphobia. Of course there's going to be. There's a lot of misgendering. Of course there's going to be. A lot of anti-trans vitriol. But amid all that, there was also a lot that needs to be heard, especially with the inclusion summer we've had in sport. We've seen athletes come out in sports where we never thought we'd see it. The NFL, the NHL. We see Olympic heroes and now Paralympic heroes who are out proud and winning. One of the biggest winners at the Olympics was a gold medalist who is transgender and non-binary. And on this opening full day of Paralympic competition, we saw an out athlete on the podium. Now, what is Senate Bill 2? Senate Bill 2 is yet another measure designed to ban transgender student athletes from being able to do that most quintessentially American thing. Represent your school on the fields of competition. The person behind this bill is a Republican representative from House District 150 named Valerie Swanson. Now, Valerie Swanson hails from Spring, Texas. That's suburban Houston if you're scoring at home. Valerie was the first up to bat to sell this bill. After all, it is hers. One thing I'm going to give the anti-trans forces throughout this entire hearing, they weren't trying to couch it in fancy language. They were honest. Diogenes' lantern shines on them. How honest were they? Let's take a listen. My terminology will be biological males, biological females. If I say girls, I mean biological girls. So um, that, that is the terminology that is scientific, and that's the terminology that I'll be using. So uh, that way we're both clear, and we don't want any confusion here. Now, in terms of official pushback, I give you James Tallarico, Democratic representative from Round Rock, Texas District 52. Now, this guy doesn't look like he could throw some heat, but he was channeling his inner Nolan Ryan overnight. Don't believe me? Check out this exchange between himself and Representative Swanson. How many cases of transgender girls uh, causing problems on a K-12 sports team have been documented in Texas? I am going to leave, leave the best person to answer that would be um, the uh, Jamie Harrison, who's coming up, the director of UIL. And um, again, um, I think that, that he would be the best person to address that. Representative Swanson, and I say this with all due respect, as the House sponsor of this bill, you are the best person to answer that question. Um, because in this body, we do not suck up precious legislative time after a global pandemic, after an economic recession, after a blackout that killed 700 Texans, we're not going to waste precious time on a bill like this unless you know for sure there is a problem. So let me ask you one more time, how many cases of transgender girls causing problems on a K-12 sports team have been documented in the state of Texas? Thank you, Representative Tallarico. What I see is that we are seeing a huge increase in this in around the country, in Olympics, internationally, 
And the state of Texas is having, like I say, between 2018 and 2019, a 3,800 percent increase in the number of um, birth certificates that were being amended for non-clerical reasons. And the UIL has said that they are getting a, an ever-increasing number of calls from school districts. You know, the amount of uh, social isolation, the amount of bullying, the amount of trauma that trans kids have to suffer through just to be themselves, right? They have to endure their policymakers talking about their genitals during a legislative session, right? Who, who would go through all that just to maybe win a, a, the possibility of, of winning a, a school sports game? Like, is that, is that, have you ever met someone that would do that? I, w I appreciate that, that question. And I don't feel like it's my place to try to read people's minds. I feel like the legislature's responsibility is to set clear, common-sense guidelines and to protect all of our biological girls who are competing in UIL in this state. I, I may sound like a Republican, but my belief is that if there's not a problem, government should stay out of people's business. And, of course, the paid professional transphobes were there. You can't have a hearing without them. You know, the people like Barbara Earhart, the Republican representative from Idaho who started all this. And also, a note to people. Yes, that bill passed, but notice, it's not in effect. Reason? Because she got chastised. Just like every other bill eventually will. It faced a stern ACLU-backed legal challenge. So, they're still, they're still in deliberations. And there's the other paid professional transphobe, Beth Stelzer. Of course, they were both there. Because you see, you're being fed a false narrative that this is about the humanity and the community and the inclusivity. If that's what it is, there are many things in which we can do to achieve that. In the world of athletics, it is about the competition and it is about winning. And as was shared, by my good friend now, and as I said when I was here to testify in July, if it wasn't true, then players wouldn't get cut and coaches wouldn't get fired. As we sit here today, a virulently spreading ideology is trying to force us to comply with lies and accept feelings as facts. These extremists step away from reality with the claim that biology is wrong. And anyone who stands in their path is labeled as a transphobic bigot and faces cancel culture. Sponsorships, scholarships, and jobs are on the line. There were also hundreds of what Brother Cornell West calls the everyday people. And one of them was a young girl named Sonny. And she had been there since 10 in the morning. And it turns out because of so many other things that need to be discussed, including a long drawn out discussion about a bill banning something that nobody below the university level is instructed on, critical race theory. It wasn't until 12.39 a.m. Austin time when this little girl got to speak. And she had a lot to say even if it was past her bedtime, and heck, past my bedtime, come to think of it. Hello, my name is Sunny Bryant, and I represent myself, and I oppose SB2. I am eight years old, and I love playing sports. I am also a trans girl, though I wish I didn't have to tell you that. I spoke my, 
for myself the first time in July <clears throat> against this very same bill. You could have just called my mom if you really wanted to see me again. <clears throat> I really like baseball, soccer, tennis, and gymnastics. I've been playing on girls' sports teams <clears throat> and even dance teams since I was four years old, and nobody cared that I was trans. I've been with the same classmates for three years, and none of them knew I was trans until this year, when my mom had to speak at the Capitol. They love me just the same, because kids my age don't care about that stuff. Kids care about what's in your heart. Only old people can't see that. None of you will be affected by this bill, and none of the people who wanted to pass will either. But I will be directly affected. It could change the course of my life. <clears throat> it could end my life. Trans kids already have a hard time in the world, <clears throat> and you want to take away one of my favorite things, playing sports. So please, let me play. Let me skin my knees sliding into home. Cheer for my teammates when they score and feel the freedom of running as fast as I can. Sonny, you weren't alone. You had backup. Hi, I am Maya Stanson. I am a 10-year-old transgender girl and I live in Houston, Texas. I'm here today to talk to you about why all kids deserve to play sports and be on teams that match the gender they identify with. Right now, I am on a co-ed swim team and I love it. It's a good exercise, it's fun and relaxing at the same time. I want to tell you why this bill is a bad idea and give the real-life example I, th I went through a few years ago. I grew up doing gymnastics when I was little. As I got older, I began to like it even more and wanted, and wanted to learn more challenging skills like round-offs and flips. Towards the end of the year, my coach began to talk about the next step, which was to join the team and begin competing. Sadly, we realized that the Houston Gymnastics Association had a role which would block me from being a part of the team, even though none of my fr friends or classmates cared that I was trans or even felt I had any advantage. I didn't want to risk the association finding out I was trans and disqualifying my team, so I decided to quit gymnastics. It's not fair that trans people can't compete on teams that match who we are. I do not have bigger muscles than any of my friends. In fact, most of my friends are bigger than me. It still makes me sad because I should have been allowed to compete with them. I have a trampoline in my backyard and I still do gymnastics and practice my skills every day. I wish I could do it with a team instead of by myself. I deserve to be able to play sports, but if I had to play on a boys team, I would quit. I know you all are on this education committee because you want to help kids, but you need to understand something. These bills are not helping anyone and are only hurting trans kids like me. Stop trying to address a problem that isn't there. Placing invented hyperbolic scenarios on, or, over the real harm in these bills have already caused enough cruelty. This is only up because of politics and not people. And we don't need that kind of nonsense here in the Capitol. Uh, Y'all should hear how like young people are talking about bills like this, by the way. Uh, at this point, uh, I'm not giving evidence-based facts. I'm not talking about my personal lived trauma. I'm not 
talking about the precedent this sets because I've done that twice before already. Uh, we keep telling you the same thing. Doctors, pediatricians, mothers, fathers, psychiatrists, teachers, students, children, all sorts of people from all walks of life have told you how dangerous this bill is and everything it implies. Uh, at this point, if you don't understand how dangerous this bill is, that's your responsibility. Uh, because you should know. After all, this is the education committee. Good teachers are good learners. Uh, but I think we should acknowledge something trans people have understood from the very beginning of all of this. Uh, with bills like these, there is no middle ground. Uh, there is no bargaining. The entire point is to be cruel. You can say it's out of fear or ignorance or some sort of illusion of protection, whichever you pick. It's cruel because cruelty is the point. And along with that backup, some shout outs. One is to someone I follow on Twitter. Their name is Ash Hall. Check them out. One of the biggest problems that I have with it is that it's this really insidious attempt to pit cisgender and transgender women against each other. Um, and it makes it sound like this is the only choice that we have to decide what's fair and what's not. And I reject that choice. Um, we're acting like cis and trans women aren't already friends, aren't girlfriends, aren't, aren't schoolmates, aren't uh, team members. Um, we're acting like they're already like separate somehow. Um, and this bill kind of seeks to segregate trans women from cis women. And most Texans are not asking for that. And I need you to understand uh, how real these stakes are. Um, I can tell you what it looks like for me. It looks like Libby, it looks like Sunny, Indigo, Caden, Maya, and Grayson. Through the course of the time I've been coming here to these hearings, these youth have become my chosen family. They are like younger siblings to me, and I would do anything for them at this point. And I've honestly spent the last eight months fighting so, so hard because I love them. And I want so badly to protect them, but the truth is that I need your help to protect them, to protect my family. There was also a lot of clergy at this thing, and most of the clergy were saying the same things. You know, I love the Lord. We should be nice to people, but I get to misgender you whenever I want. And on the other side of that ledger is Reverend Remington Johnson, fierce, proud trans woman, activist, and athlete. And I can tell you right now, Reverend Johnson, you have a standing invitation to, to get beamed up to the transporter room. Let's make this happen. And let's listen in. You know, all the previous attempts at attacking trans women had somehow failed in the state, and so we decided to turn to the children. And we have the UIL stuff, which we already have something that is there to affect trans kids. We already have it, right? We talked about that at length. And we're in quite a pickle right now, because we've got, you know, this is the deal. You guys are thinking, thoughtful people, and the pickle is... What do we do with people's feelings and sort of our risk-benefit analysis here, right? 
So we've got this idea of sort of like competition and domination. We want everything to be fair and feel good. But then at the same time, we might feel that like trans people are icky and what do we do with that feeling? And maybe we haven't done the introspection to understand how that affects our actions. And so now we're thinking, so well, you know, maybe, I don't know, I guess that the good of the many outweighs the need of the few. And that's just, yeah, it's what a pickle. But the good news is if we do nothing, we already have a thing that does something. So let's do nothing. Let's do that. Amen? Athlete spoke out. My name is Danielle Rind, like wind. Oh, I'm sorry. a three-time national Muay Thai kickboxing champion, and I live right here in Austin. I'm in strong opposition to Senate Bill 2. As a woman and as an athlete, I face many challenges to equity at sport, but I assure you that transgender women and girls is not one of them. As a woman in a male-dominated sport, I've experienced very real disparities in the ways that I'm coached, how seriously I'm taken as an athlete, the access I have to leadership positions, gross disparities in pay for women in combat sports. If you truly want to protect women's sports, we need to address what women athletes have been talking about and asking for for decades, not a manufactured issue. I'm tired of people speaking on my behalf, on behalf of all women, saying that laws that bully and intimidate vulnerable youth are somehow helping us as women athletes. They're not. My name is Ann Lieberman. I use they, them pronouns, and I'm the director of policy and programs at Athlete Ally. I am so tired and so sad of children being used as political tools for problems that do not exist. I am somebody who grew up playing women's sports, and I love women's sports. And it is no exaggeration to say that sports saved my life which is why it is so heartbreaking for me to see how SB2 weaponizes sports to bully and dehumanize transgender youth in Texas. My name is Abby Robbins, and I'm a transgender cyclist living in Austin, Texas. I'm here to testify in opposition of Senate Bill 2. I recently became the first non-binary champion of Unbound Gravel, the world's largest and most prestigious gravel cycling event. An event that is not only inclusive of trans men and women, allowing them to compete in categories that align with who they are, but also created a category for people like me who exist beyond the binary. As a transgender athlete, I know firsthand the difficulty and the toll of participating in competitions in categories that don't align with my identity. Even as an adult, the mental and emotional toll it takes is enough to keep me from participating in events that are not inclusive. This toll will be even greater on transgender children throughout the state. This bill essentially bans transgender and intersex children from both team and individual sport and the physical, mental, and emotional benefits that those sports provide. According to the Trevor Project's third annual national survey on LGBTQ mental health, 52% of trans and non-binary youth seriously considered suicide in the last year alone. For transgender and non-binary student athletes, participating in sports means higher grades, increased mental health, and lowered suicide rates. There is no scientific evidence that suggests transgender children have an unfair athletic advantage over their cisgender teammates. <sighs> Seeing as this bill is in direct conflict with the International Olympic Committee, the NCAA, the UCI, 
and countless other sports governing bodies. This bill stands to cause substantial and unnecessary harm while providing no benefit or protection to any Texan. SB2 is nothing but dangerous political posturing and a monumental waste of taxpayer money. We now come to the send in the clowns part of the program. There are two sexes, and I'm sure I'll use all the wrong dead gum words, XX, XY. That's it. Bucks are bucks and does are does. Who is to say that boys are doing this because they don't, they can't win in boys' sports, so they want to cheat the girls? Why are we trying to punish, punish uh, biological girls to accept this? Bring in confusion. Just because you're transgender, that's fine for you. Quit making biological girls think this is okay. It's not. Have you gone stark raving mad? The two little boys earlier that, yes, boys, because that's what their, 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 uh, their chromosomes shows, who spoke this evening right at that little podium there. Just what is going to happen when they grow up and are still defeating girls at, at the, and they know, and they know they are different because at the end when they defeat them, and yet they know it's also too late because they know they, there is something different about them. Because they think it's, and because they think it's too late to, to, to change back. Thankfully, a lot of supporters did come out. A lot of people with good and affirming things to say. As a cisgender woman that grew up in Texas public schools and was an athlete, literally from 6th grade through 12th grade in track and field, never did I ever or would I have ever felt threatened by another student, another girl, right? Um, because that's what, again, trans girls are girls. Never did I feel that way as an athlete. And so I, again, just implore you to check your biases and look at what matters. I heard something, and I, I have to call it out right now. I heard people attacking kids, calling them out by name in the middle of this event. And I want to let those kids know that they are loved, we care about them, and they're seen. And I don't care what people are saying about you, you are loved. I just urge you not to pass this bill. It's cruel. It's cruel these kids. It's cruel every time they have to hear it. And I want to just reiterate to these kids, you're loved and we appreciate you. From this hearing, the next step is this bill is going to go towards the legislature and be voted on. As I was looking in on what we saw down in Austin, I couldn't help but think of Monica Roberts. Monica Roberts, a proud transgender woman and a proud Texan who was an activist literally until the day she drew her last breath. That was October last year. I can bet that she's looking down on this and smiling at the beautiful resistance, but also cussing and fussing at the abject ignorance that was also on display. All this points to a critical sharp focus for me. That the answers to a lot of this won't necessarily come in our state capitals, it will come on Capitol Hill. 
And again, I'm calling on all the U.S. members of Team LGBTQ who did us proud in Tokyo. And those who are currently doing us proud in Tokyo as out Paralympians. Now, this doesn't apply to you so much because y'all got work to do. But I want you to be a part of it when you get back. I want all of those out LGBTQ Olympians who wore red, white, and blue for Team USA, I, I need you to do something for me. I need a favor from you. I'm not asking you for much. I'm asking for one thing. I want you to send a note, a telegram, an email, whatever, to President Biden, to Vice President Harris, to the congressional leadership of both parties, and to your representative. And you don't have to write a paragraph. I just want one sentence. One. One. Pass the Equality Act. That's it. The Equality Act is really the best way that we can avoid this. These rights must be codified by as law of the land. This can't be done state to state. We've been trying to do it state to state and look what happens. You now have a country that's half four human that's one third for human rights and two third and potentially two thirds against it. That cannot stand. We can't have a third of the country being a safe place to live and work and play and two-thirds of the country that you need a green book to travel through. We've been down that road before, and it was a bad road. That's why the Equality Act is that important. Once again, a lot of young trans people went down to some state capital in front of people who do not believe in their humanity and beg for their lives. I don't know about you, but I find that repugnant. And it must stop now. And that's the transporter room for this week. And if there's something you want to see or something you want to say about this podcast, Leave a message on our Twitter page. Leave a message on our Facebook page. Because everything I do here at the Transporter Room, I do it for you, the people who support us. I'm Carly Chardonnay-Webb. Live long and prosper. Steady as she goes. I'll see you next week.